Good evening. It's wonderful to see you here tonight. It's good to have all of you tuning in. You know, I've been thinking about equations. According to Einstein, E equals MC squared. But according to your health teacher, extra pi plus extra cake does not equal high velocity. <laughs> so you, you have to be careful with those equations. <laughs> but uh, some, some real news tonight. Uh, we're happy to announce that uh, there's a new Acellus course coming out. It's U.S. government and civics. This is a new high school course that's going to be out there, and some of you will get to check that out as you're going through your, your high school classes. We're excited about that. Well, we're going to kick things off now and turn the time over to Dr. John for the Technology Spotlight. <laughs> Today I want to tell you about a newly discovered species. This is a new creature that nobody's ever seen before. And they found it at the very bottom of the Moranus Trench. This is the deepest place in the ocean. It's deep enough you could take a whole, um, what's the tallest uh, mountain, you know, Mount Everest, and put it all the way down into the trench and it would fit. Uh, at least height-wise. It's really deep. So they found this new little bug, and it's quite teeny. Uh, if you look at this picture, it looks kind of big, but it's actually quite teeny. And they were studying it to decide what they're going to name it and everything, and no one's ever seen this before. And guess what they found in it? They found a little piece of plastic. It turns out that plastic is something that we make in our factories for all kinds of things. You know, from our uh, disposable food packaging to disposable dishes to our clothes. You know, a lot of our clothes are synthetic. And those little plastics are everywhere. And it's becoming quite a big problem. In fact, um, it's becoming such a big problem that a lot of people are trying to figure out how to solve it. You know, when there's a problem like this, there's an opportunity. And uh, one idea is to make plastics that uh, degrade faster and so they turn back into soil sooner. Uh, but we're going to talk about what to do about that plastic that's already there. Because the plastic right now mostly goes to the landfills. In fact, about 10% of our plastic gets recycled, and the rest ends up like this. It's kind of dumped. You know, This is the, the bottles. This is actually the clean garbage. <laughs> yeah, it can get pretty bad. Uh, but it can sit in the landfill for up to 1,000 years uh, degrading. And while it's doing that, it puts off some kind of dangerous chemicals and things. So it's, it's quite, a, quite an issue, isn't it? Uh, well, the obvious solution is we should just recycle the plastic. You know, we, we actually do that. But one of the problems is the plastic has to be really clean. And then the other problem is it goes through a process where they, they basically melt it down and repurpose it. But that repurposed plastic can only be used for certain applications a quite limited number of applications. So it's, it's not that useful. And the other problem is it's really hard to get clean enough plastic that's only the kind of plastic you want in order to recycle it. So this is an ongoing problem that our world has. And uh, we, we need to do something about it soon because we're getting more and more, and it's getting in the oceans, even the bottom of the Marina's Trench, right? Uh, well, uh, I want to show you some different ways that we might be able to address this. I want to show you a little worm. This is called a wax worm. And this is, uh, well, there are several uh, species in this family, but this is the creature that uh, infests beehives. And it likes, to, I, it likes to eat the beeswax from the, the hives. And the beekeepers think it's a pest, you know. But some researchers realized that it can actually eat plastic. And it can eat the plastic and actually break it down. And you're probably wondering, well, isn't that bad for it? Are there any side effects? No? <laughs> well, there are some side effects. One of the strangest side effects is they poop alcohol when they eat plastic. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, but um, they can actually break it down. And so researchers have been studying why and trying to understand this. You know, instead of a thousand years, this is uh, pretty quick. But the problem with these waxworms is that they can't 
eat and break down very much plastic. So they're probably not going to solve this big plastic problem that we have. It turns out that there's another way to do it. There are some researchers in France who have been developing, or I should say helping a bacteria mutate, if you can call that develop developing, but they found this bacteria that's from leaf compost that can also produce an enzyme that breaks down plastic. And this is actually amazingly good at it. They took a ton of plastic, and over the course of 10 hours, this enzyme degraded the plastic 90%, which is really amazing. And it can degrade not just one kind of plastic, uh, particularly they're working with uh, PET. Uh, it's the, the big scary word, you know, polyethylene, uh, tele, well, you know why they call it PET, right? <laughs> so <laughs> let's keep it simple. But most of the really common things that we do, you know, the disposable dishes and stuff, are made with PET. It's very, very common. And um, so they can break those down, whether they're colored or different variations and things. And it breaks it down into monomers, these really basic materials that they can use to make new PET plastic. And the quality is pretty much as good as new. So it's a closed loop recycle where they could recycle it theoretically as many times as they want and make new high quality plastics. So that's really different than the kind of recycling that we're currently doing, which is kind of a joke because we put a whole bunch of money into it. We're really careful. You know how you have the bad conscience if you don't put the plastic in the right one, you know? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> but then we spend a whole bunch of money, and then we have an end product that not very many people want to use except to help with their conscience. And so this is going to hopefully start to change that, where we can more cost-effectively recycle plastic and reuse it. And the more we can reuse our resources instead of just throwing them into the, the dump pile or into the ocean, the better, isn't it? So I guess the moral of this story is be careful what you eat <laughs> if you're a worm. But also, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess that's the moral. <laughs> I want to show you one more picture, though, before we go. This is actually the modifications that they made to this enzyme. The enzyme is this really complex molecule that helps the plastic breakdown, facilitates that breakdown process. And the highlighted uh, markers are the things that they changed, that their mutated version of the bacteria changed. And uh, so this is their contribution, the researchers in France. And they are currently working on a new uh, factory where they're going to mass produce this. And one of the biggest additional energy uh, consumption issues is they have to break the plastic down into little pieces and warm it up. And, but other than that, this... Um, enzyme is doing the hard work. It's pretty amazing stuff, isn't it? And well, that's all the tech we have the time for. <laughs> okay, and now it's time for Breakthroughs in Science with Tobias. Well, tonight, for the breakthrough, we're going to talk about something that you could say our country runs off of. Some of you kids are like, mac and cheese. No. <laughs> we're talking about something that is really based on liquid. And it really, you could say, runs this country. We'll talk about how that works in a bit here. But I want to talk about someone named Blaise Pascal. And this was a gentleman that was living in the 1600s. And he was researching and studying many different things. And one of the things that he did a lot of research in and was very intrigued with was water and pressure of water and of liquid. And he is famous, well, for lots of things, but one of the things that he's famous for is what they call Pascal's Law. And it is a change in pressure at any point in an enclosed fluid at rest is transmitted undiminished to all points in the fluid. Now, do we understand? Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second. So what is this saying? Well, first of all, one of the things that Pascal noticed with his studies was that liquid, namely water, which was the main thing he was studying, 
is, as he termed, incompressible. You really, it's, it's a lot of people refer to it as incompressible, meaning you, you really can't compress now. Can't is a big word. I mean, it's a little bit, it's big. Um, I, if I say water's not compressible, black holes over here are saying, oh yeah? Um, you know, technically, I mean, a black to a black hole, anything could be compressible. But like, if you compare water to air, you can compress air quite easily. If you want to try to compress water, it will not compress easily. It's very hard to compress water. And if we take that a step further to what his law says, is that if we apply a force or a pressure on an enclosed fluid, that force that we apply will be distributed across all of that fluid. So let's, let's imagine this. So imagine that we have a tube. Let's, let's make it like this so it's like a U-shape U-tube. Um, and we have two openings at the top, and it's full of water. And we put two plugs on it with rods, so they're pistons, okay? And these pistons can slide like this, and we can push it this way, or we can push it that way. If we push on this side, push down, the force at which we push down will be perfectly carried over to this one that comes up. All of the pressure that we apply will be over there on the other end, pushing it up. So if we push on this side, it goes up. If we push on here, it goes up. So we're now moving that, that liquid or the pressure that's evenly distributed throughout that fluid, okay? But then it starts to get a little more interesting. So let's say we have our two holes of our tube. And instead of having one on this side, one on this side, let's do four over here that all branch out of this one. So now we've got four over here, and they're all the same size. So this one's, let's say it's one inch surface area, one inch, one inch, one inch. So there's four over here, one here. Let's say we push this one down four inches. What do you think is going to happen to these four? Are they going to go up four inches? Well, they'll go up one inch because that pressure is evenly distributed. So we went down four inches over here with that one inch surface area, and it goes up one inch over four of them. Okay? Now, that's pretty cool, but this is when it starts to get really interesting. So we have this knowledge that we've learned, and engineers and scientists took this knowledge and started doing more tests with it, and they found something really interesting. Let's remove the four, and let's do one again. So we've got one and one, but this second one, let's make it big. Let's make it like 10 inches around. So we've got this one inch one still with our piston, and we've got a big opening on this side with a big piston, 10 inches surface area, okay? So let's say I push down on this side. What's gonna happen with this one? If I go down 10 inches over here, this one's gonna go up one inch. So it's 10, 10 to one. So if I go down 10 inches over here, it goes up one inch, because this is 10 inches surface area, 10 inch opening, and one inch. But the force at which it moves up is extremely maximum um, increase. So for example, if I took a 100 pound weight and put it on this one, the pressure, so there's 100 pounds pushing down on this piston, on this side, this one will have enough strength to lift 1,000 pounds because of the rules of this liquid inside. Now it only went up one inch. We lifted 1,000 pounds one inch, but 100 pounds, 10 times the lifting capacity over here. Now that's like, that's magical. I mean, that's like you can, it's some kind of magic machine where you, you know, get this little puny guy like me, and we push in, the, and it goes through the machine, comes out the other end, like, yeah, so powerful. It's like, it transforms us. Um, but wow, what could we do with that? What if there was a way to use that in machines? Because think about it, if we apply a little bit of force and we can transform that force into a much greater force, all of a sudden we're able to do incredible things. Things that, I mean, if you really go watch, for example, a construction site and you watch them tear up that ground and lift up those things and move that dirt, it's phenomenal at the amount of ground they can move, at the amount of weight they can lift. Um, and a really good example of this is dump trucks. So back in the day, if you look here, this was a dump truck and we have a, a wench and pulley system where they'd fill up the bed and then when you're ready to dump that, you'd get out and you'd start cranking it like this and you'd start s slowly raising the bed of the truck slowly and you're you know, you're using the pulley system, which is nice because then you don't have to actually lift the whole thing yourself. But if you imagine taking that out and changing it out for a hydraulic system, 
where all of a sudden you have these rods that go into sockets of hydraulic fluid. Now, today we don't use water very much. They started in the beginning of this, they, they would use water and water would leak much more easily and there were a lot of issues like if you got high temperature it would start boiling um, if you got cold it could freeze and your whole hydraulic system would be messed up so we use oil a lot now special oil for this um, here's a picture of an excavator and you notice most you know most excavators they're painted that cool yellow or green or rust um, but look at the certain points on here where we can see these rods you see these rods, they're kind of like silver. And I'm talking about going up the arm and down the arm. So what that is, is it's a hydraulic system where what we talked about is being applied. So there's that rod, that metal rod, and it's going into a chamber where the hydraulic oil is. And if you want to pull it this, if you want to go out this way and have the rod push it out, then there's a hydraulic pump that pumps from a small tube and it goes up into the larger one and the piston is pushed and it pushes it out. And it can be reversed and another hydraulic tunnel or tube comes in from the other side and it goes the other way. And so using the hydraulic pressure, they can put extreme amounts of power into each one of those pieces or joints of that machine. And we use this everywhere, we use it in power steering of cars. I didn't even know, no, I, I did know when I studied this that we had power steering. But I remember when I didn't know um, about power steering. You know, you get in a car, you just turn the steering wheel and you steer, right? Well, they didn't used to have that. And then cars started to get heavier and we started to go faster. And all of a sudden, you had to really, I mean, I've been in a car when the power steering stopped working and it was not fun and I felt like Buzz on Toy Story. Um, <laughs> It's everywhere that we take for granted because, I mean, now you can just dance with that steering wheel because it's so easy because there's actually this system underneath the hood making this much easier and doing the work. They use this in airplanes. They use this in construction all over the place. And you could say our country, in a way, runs off of this because it is used in so many places and takes something, you know. And that's the amazing thing to me is that science and engineering can take something that's maybe seemingly simple and turn it into something that's powerful. So, thank you. All right, and now introducing Roger Billings. that everybody here is familiar with Tanya. Now, some <laughs> of you students that are doing some of the, especially the elementary courses, know Tanya, because <laughs> she has composed 100 and how many songs? 120 songs, which she does to help you memorize things like letters and, and everything, right? Mm -hmm. And some of you are wondering, how did I get her to do that? <laughs> had to marry her. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it was either that or pay her. <laughs> I figured, you know, I can save a lot of money here. So let's see, Tanya. Um, so you're married, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Very married. <laughs> Very married? Okay. Oh, that's good. And, and how long have you been married? Hey, 48 years. Woo! <laughs> That's 40 years longer than I've been married. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Have uh, we been married for 48 years? Almost for 49. <laughs> she's, not, she's not very good at numbers. <laughs> really? 48 years. And I'm only 35. <laughs> it's really amazing. Well, I want to tell you a little bit about this amazing lady. You know, we, we met when we were students at the university. And uh, I was doing magic as a part-time job, and they wanted me to be on a program, and she was a singer and a dancer on the program, and she's kind of starry, you know. <laughs> and she stole my heart, and next thing I knew, I was hopelessly in love. And, and that was 35 years, 
39. 38. 30, whoa. <laughs> anyway, it was a long, long, long time ago. 48. 48. <laughs> wow. So it's exciting to think that she would stay with me for that long. But you know, uh, I have all those songs for her to do. <laughs> so she stayed really busy. But uh, when we were early on uh, in our marriage, I was giving a, a talk to a Rotary Club. And I invited her to go with me to the club, and she was sitting there in the front row, and I'm telling them all about all these great things, and I'm tell them, telling them about her. And then I says, you know, there's a, there's a cute story about Tanya, and if you don't mind, I'd like to tell you to, I'd like to tell it to you. And it goes like this, you see, uh, when we started out, I was a student, she was a student, we, we were kind of on a slim budget. We didn't have a lot of money, and so we had to really be careful what we bought and how much we spent. And one day, I came home from school, and I says, Tanya, we need to talk. And she says, okay, and I said, well, we're out of money. <laughs> it says we're out of money. Yeah, you wrote a check at the store, but we don't have any money. And she said, no, 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 no. She pulled out her purse, pulled out her checkbook, and said, we got lots of money. Look at all these checks. That's quite a story. Is that a true story? It's not a true story. <laughs> not a true story. <laughs> well, you know, it's been so long, I'm not sure if it actually happened. <laughs> but uh, the thing that's really remarkable about this woman is that she has so many kids. <laughs> and then what, what were both their names? <laughs> now, actually, uh, we have a, a really amazing family, and we're very, very proud of our family. We have 10 kids. That's, that's quite a few. And each one of them are very, very, very dear to us. And uh, it, it, every day I try to decide which one's my favorite. <laughs> But I, I love them so much, and many of them are very involved with us in Acellus and in the other projects we're doing. But then some of our kids started growing up and getting older, and then some of them started deciding that they were falling in love, and next thing we knew came grandchildren. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> We've now decided that next time we're going to do the grandkids first. <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> they're so much fun. <laughs> and you know you can spoil them and then you go home, which is really, really a good thing. But uh, when we started having this crop of grandkids, uh, we found out that uh, every once in a while there are some problems you get into in a, in a family. You know, our family was large. But then when we started having grandkids, our family became much larger. So um, I've got this uh, message from Tanya that our grandkids have this little problem, or they have that little problem, or they have both these problems. <laughs> and she looked to me to fix it. I mean, like, hey, I'm not their dad. She says, you're their granddad. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> And I sleep with Grandma. <laughs> no. But at any rate, uh, I decided that I wanted to do something to help the kids with some of these problems that they were getting into in life. And, you know, I, I gathered as many of the grandkids together as I could. And I said, okay, I need to talk to you guys. Mm -hmm. And so I sat them down, and I told them how it is and how you need to be and how you got to be good and all of that stuff. And they kind of... <laughs> Drooped off. Yeah, they drooped off. And so we got done, and uh, I went back to Tanya, and I said, I think that was a complete disaster. I don't think anyone heard what I said. I don't think. I was trying to change their behavior on what I'm going to call moral issues. There are some things that you just should do or shouldn't do, and I wanted to teach them and their parents, which are my kids, <laughs> you know, how to do that. One of the things, for example, that I really didn't want to have in our family was contention. People angry, not getting along with each other. 
And one of the strange things about our family, which I'm very proud of, is we've stayed very close together. We live nearby, we work together, we have many, many, many family activities together. And every time one of our kids would get married, we would adopt the new one, the husband or the wife, as another one of our kids. And so we're just a very close family. And when you have a lot of very close family together, then you start having misunderstandings and contention and, and all sorts of things like that. And then there were problems of people not brushing their teeth. Kids got to brush their teeth, right? Why don't you tell them about brushing their teeth? And so I'm thinking, I've got to figure out a way to be an inter, a better influence on this mob of grandkids that are following Tanya around. And so <clears throat> we came up with an idea. And the idea was that instead of giving them speeches, which they didn't really care that much for, we would give them stories. Yeah. Stories are fun. I mean, kids will listen to stories mm -hmm. if the stories are good. Mm -hmm. But how do you make a good story? And so I was talking to Tiny about this, and I said, if we could tell a story that had a moral, or it taught a lesson, or it had a point, well, then the kids would learn it, and it might change the way they behave. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. You tell it. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I got thinking about it and thinking about it, and I thought, what, what would be the best way to know if the story you told was a good story? And I thought, well, a good story would be one they really listen to. Mm -hmm. And how do you get them to listen? And then I got this great idea. If the granddaughters that are listening to the story, if they're sitting there listening, and all of a sudden they go, oh, then that's a good story. <laughs> right? Right. And so um, we got them together. Next time there was a family get-together, we got all of these kids together and some of their parents around there and back. And... And I go up and I start telling them a story. So guess what? Uh, tonight I want to tell you a story about a, a very, very special friend of mine. And when I got to that point, you know, I'm not sure who this special friend is yet, but I know he's coming. I know he's coming. <laughs> who was he? Okay. The friend, I said, is a little bear named Tobler. And so my idea was, I was going to invent this little bear. And the little bear was, in, in my idea of the story, he was going to represent the kids in different kind of experiences. So that they would see the world through his eyes, and that would be like them experiencing these things. And they'd learn these moral lessons without having to stub their toes. And mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I was telling them about Tobler, and then I said, and you know, Tobler has a really good friend that I want to tell you about. He's a chicken. So the bear, Tobler, and he has a best friend that's a chicken. I wanted the chicken to be kind of the bad guy in the story. This is the guy that's always getting into mischief, always doing things he should never do. And I say, yeah, it's a chicken, and his name is Beak. <laughs> a chicken named Beak. Mm -hmm. And then in the particular story, that I wanted to tell them. I needed somebody that would be the special person that wasn't always treated right by the other kids. Because, you know, sometimes kids can be vicious to each other. Even kids they like sometimes are just rude and mean and say things and do things. And so then I said, okay. And the other person I'm going to tell you about is a cute little pig named Smelly Lips. Okay, well, this story went on, and uh, I got into the story a little bit, and I wonder if, uh, I, I don't know that it would be appropriate in this forum to tell them the story about Tobler and Beak and Smelly Lips. It's probably not appropriate. It's not really a science story, but it's kind of a story with a moral. I'll tell you what, could we have you guys do me a favor? If you think that it would be appropriate to take a few minutes to tell the Tobler story, will you please send me a message, you know, on your system there, just say, please tell the story, or 
if you don't want to say, please don't tell the story, and you tell him up for me, let me know whether or not they want to hear it. But while they're thinking about that, I want you to know that I told my grandkids the story, and of course, my own kids, who are the big parent people, and, <laughs> and it seemed to work. It seemed to work. It made a point. And I could kind of refer to it, and I thought, you know, I may have done something good. It was like an invention. I invented a bear. <laughs> a bear that eats plastic. <laughs> and so next time we got together, the kids said, can you tell us another Tobler story? I think now I have told over a hundred Tobler stories. And I would say that in probably 75 of these stories, the granddaughters have gone, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) and that's why there is definitely some question of these should ever leave the family. Uh, The one of the grandkids was telling me that they think I should release my stories for anybody that wants to hear them. And I said, it would completely ruin my reputation. (laughs) Unless maybe we could put them under Tanya's name or something. (laughs) The stories of Tanya. She inspired a lot of them. So anyway, the kids have animated these characters. And now they've made some little books. And some of you that are doing a Cellus reading have met Tobler and Beak, and we called her Smelly Lips, the little pig, and some of the teachers complained, so in a Cellus we changed her name to Sweetie Lips. I like Smelly Lips. Fits my story better. But may I introduce you to my dear friend Tobler? Let's bring him up on the screen here. This is Tobler the bear. And he has a backpack, and inside his backpack he has a bottle of purple perfume. And this perfume has been pretty important to my story because whenever he sprays anybody with a purple perfume, it makes them feel happy. And it's neat to have something like that because in our family, whenever anybody gets a little, oh, look, see the purple perfume. Whenever they get kind of grumpy, we and then kind of works out. And then I would like to next show you Smelly Lips. And she's our cute little piglet friend. Isn't she, darling? <laughs> yeah. And uh, in, in the particular story that, uh, that it all began with, uh, Smelly Lips had a really, really pro- bad problem with bad breath. And that's why the other kids didn't like her very much is because she really had this problem with bad breath. And she had a problem with bad breath because you should see the stuff she eats. <laughs> right? Okay? But I say for last this little character named Beak, the chicken. I'd like you to meet him. Okay? If you ever knew anybody that did something kind of wrong, always, it would be this guy. And so these are the characters of my stories. And so now, like I say, we have over 100 stories that go to places that maybe should not be remembered. Okay? Are we getting any feedback yet? All right, let's see what the score is right now. We now have a score of yes. Whoa! It's like 111 yes and three no's. Let's give them just one more minute to get in all of the voting, and then we'll decide whether or not we're going to get in the story. What do you think? Oh, I definitely think you should tell the story. <laughs> but if we do, don't you think that it's going to kind of hurt our reputation? Mm. Well, it's on the edge, but I think it would be <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love her. <laughs> Thicker thin, huh? You know, the places we've been. When I uh, had the privilege of going to uh, live with Mr. Bill Lear, the father of the Learjet, uh, we had a, a baby that was one week old, mm-hmm. our firstborn. And Tanya and I went out and climbed in that airplane and went whooshing off to, to the Lear home. Mm-hmm. And... When Mrs. Lear found out we had a newborn, um, 
I'm not sure she was expecting quite that commo much commotion in her house, but it was a wonderful experience. And so all the way through all these adventures, uh, we've been together. When we built the world's first hydrogen home, we needed the world's first hydrogen-powered housewife. <laughs> I volunteered. <laughs> and we found something kind of interesting with hydrogen ovens. Everything in this home was converted to hydrogen. The lawnmower, the fireplace, the furnace, the everything was all powered by hydrogen. But the oven, uh, we were very uh, fortunate to have the Tappan Company that makes appliances work with us on developing a special hydrogen oven. They donated the oven, we converted it to hydrogen. But when we would bake bread in a hydrogen oven, what would happen? How was it different? It was very moist, yeah. I remember you saying it was wonderful. <laughs> when you think about it, you know, you put bread in an oven and you bake it and you like get a little bit of that nice toasty crust and stuff. Well, when you burn hydrogen in the oven, the flame is making water. So you're building up all that moisture inside the oven, but it's really hot, so it's not touchy liquid wet, but it doesn't dry out the bread as much, mm -hmm. and it's the most moist bread I've ever had. So everybody needs to live in a hydrogen house, <laughs> and someday maybe we will. Okay, well, let's get the final count now and see, see what we're gonna do here. <laughs> and the final count. Wow! 450, yes, three, no, okay. Okay. Once upon a time, <laughs> there was a little bear named Tobler. And Tobler was a really good bear. He was friendly. He always cared about other people. He did a lot of nice things. Except sometimes when he was with his friend Beak, you know, the chicken with the long hairy legs, that kid. <laughs> Beak was a bad influence for Tobler. They shouldn't be together. Shouldn't happen, but they often were. And Beak was naughty. He was naughty. He was always getting into mischief. Well, it turns out that in the place where they lived, there was a sweet little pig, and her name was Sweetie Lips, but they, Beak called her Smelly Lips because she had really bad breath. She used to eat some disgusting things. <laughs> And it made her breath kind of bad. And so he would tease her. He would make fun. He would do mean things to her. And one day, they saw Smelly Lips coming down the trail. And Beak said, I've got a good idea. Do you see where the trail goes through that little puddle? Tobler said, yeah. Let's dig a hole right under the puddle. She'll think the puddle is really shallow. But we'll make a real deep hole and she'll step in it. And it'll be so fun. And Tobler said, well, okay. And so they ran out and they started digging the hole. And the hole went down deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And she was coming and they had to hurry fast. And then just as she came around the bend to where the little puddle went over the trail, the puddle filled back up with water. So it looked like it was just a little tiny shallow puddle. And as she came walking down the road, she was so happy and having such a good time. And in her hand, she had a fistful of money. You know, the green kind of money that you can spend at the store? She was going to the store to buy something. So they hid. They didn't want to miss this. And they watched, and she came down the trail so happy, and she had on her little cute piggy outfit. <laughs> and she stepped in the puddle, and whoosh, she went down so deep, her whole head went underwater. Clear down in the puddle, out of sight. She was gone. And she didn't come up. And they waited, and they waited. Beaks laughing so hard. He said, that's the funniest thing. Tobler started to get worried. Where is Smelly Lips? Did something happen to her? How deep did we dig that hole? And so finally, he went up to the puddle, and he reached down in, and he found her, and he pulled her out. And he says, what are you doing? She said, well, I just figured someone's pulling a mean trick on me, and I felt so bad. I, I just wasn't going to get out of here for a while. I said, well, you've got to get out. You've got to have air. And he pulled her out. And, and she says, oh, I lost my money. The money I had to go to the store, I lost the money. And, and he says, well, 
what were you going to do with it? I was going to go buy some chocolate chips. Why? Well, there's a boy at school that's really sweet to me. He's the sweetest boy in the school. Really? And I was going to get some chocolate chips, and then tonight I was going to bake him chocolate chip cookies and take, him, take them to him tomorrow so he'd know how much it means to me to have a good friend like him. But now I've lost my money. Now, you've got to understand that that water was muddy. And so her whole body was, was covered with mud, and her eyes were full of mud, and she couldn't see Tobler. She could only hear his voice. And he said to her, well, sweetie lips, <laughs> what's the name of that really nice boy at the school? And she says, oh, he's a cute bear, and his name's Tobler. <gasps> Tobler? You're going to make cookies for Tobler? He loved cookies. He really did. He loved cookies. And she said, yeah, but now I'm not going to be able to because I lost my money in this deep puddle. And Tobler said, oh, I've got money. i got money. He pulls it out and he gives her the money. And she said, oh, thank you. You, you have such a nice voice. I want to see who you are. I'm going to wipe this mud out of my eyes. No, no, no. Meet you later. He was afraid she would find out who helped dig that ugly hole. Yeah. Bad bear. So, the next day, Tobler could hardly wait. I am so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. School started. got there. Here comes Sweetie Lips down. She's got this nice bag. Oh, those have got to be cookies. Those are cookies. Those are my cookies. <laughs> and so uh, he waited for her to say something. She didn't say something. Finally, he went up to her and he says, Hi. Hi, sweetie lips. How are you today? He said, I'm fine. And he says, So, have you done anything nice for anybody today? <laughs> she says, Yes. What'd you do? Well, I baked chocolate chip cookies. And he said, oh, that's wonderful. Who did you bake them for? Well, actually, I baked them for you. <laughs> that's, that's good. And he says, well, here I am. And she says, well, on the way to school, something happened. What happened? She says, well, on the way to school, I got just a little bit hungry. So I ate one of the cookies. I just ate one. I ate one of the cookies. You ate one of the cookies you were going to get to me? Yeah, I know. I ate it. And he says, well, that's okay. I'm glad. Did you enjoy it? Are they good cookies? Oh, they were. It was really good. Good. So uh, what about the rest of the cookies? And she said, I couldn't stop with one. And well, so how many of those cookies did you eat? I ate them all. <laughs> and Tobler said, I want my money back. <laughs> so, the moral of the story is, when you're going around being mean to people, it's mean. It really is mean to be mean. And you know, there's, there's fun that people have doing what I like to think of as a mean tease. If a tease doesn't make everybody happy, if someone is the victim of the tease, then it's a mean tease. Mm -hmm. And Meek did a lot of things like that. And in some of the other stories, we've talked about this. Now, I will admit, this was a tame story, <laughs> at least by the Tobler standards over the years. But I need one more vote. Now you've kind of got exposed to Tobler in his stories. And most of the students are too old for these. These are for, for little kids. But um, this, is the, this is the interesting part that I haven't figured out yet. Uh, these stories go back. How long, when was the first one? How long ago? Mm. On the mic, please. Maybe 20 years. Yeah. Has it been that long? These have been going for like 20 years. Yeah, in, in some of these early stories, <coughs> I have a different sounding voice. Hi, how you doing? Things have really, really evolved. But the thing that is kind of remarkable to me 
is that my uh, dear, dear grandkids listen to these stories at night. And some of them are pretty upsetting. <laughs> but they, they do. They listen to them at night. And uh, as I go over to visit their, their various uh, uh, residences and, and I hear the kids listening to these these audio stories in the rooms, I think, oh my goodness. <laughs> they love them. Yeah, they fall asleep with them. <laughs> so anyway, uh, a very special little uh, lady created the first Tobler book, and uh, one of my sons drew these figures, and then they illustrated a whole book about one of the Tobler stories, which I'm now thinking about maybe we should get get printed as a as a storybook uh, and, and the kids think they would like and I'm wondering if maybe this is something that I want to turn loose on the world and if I did I would make it so that uh, would be it'd be for children and um, the the one thing though about all of these you can't touch your face can you <laughs> oh, I'm sorry <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> Sorry. <Okay>. But um, <clears throat> the one thing that is true about all these stories is they all have a moral message. And some of them have pretty intense messages, and they all are messages that Tanya identified that our family needed. So she's the source of wisdom. And I'm the one that's taking the blame. <laughs> but it's, it's true. We went through and we told the stories. And so I would like to know how many of the students, after getting exposed a little bit to Tobler and Beak and Smelly Lips, how many of them think we should release these stories through some, some way so that any, any of the children that want to hear them can? And I'd like your advice on that. And I'd like uh, to thank Tanya very much for helping me tonight. So nice to have you here. By the way, Tanya's here every week. She just doesn't always come on camera, which is a shame, because she should. But uh, this lady is uh, such an inspiration in my life, to have a woman that uh, comes in to your life and then is with you enthusiastically through every problem, through every success, through every challenge, through every failure, and she's one that's telling you, it's, it's only a failure if you give up. I'm trying to get you to go on. Uh, what a wonderful lady. And I, I want to pay tribute to her tonight. I want to tell you how very grateful I am for you. And sometime I'm going to explain this, not how many checks you have. <laughs> <laughs> okay? okay? Okay, thank you so much, darling. Now, some of you are missing uh, Paget, and as you probably heard uh, her people the alien people came and took her back. And she's, no, excuse me. <laughs> really? They brought her back? Oh, yeah, send her in. Oh, I've got an update. It turns out that she's back. Let's have the intro. Because, truth be known, she's the one that thinks the Tobler stories need to be published. Guilty. So, uh, do you listen to the stories? Guilty. <laughs> I do. That's really funny. Okay, do you have a favorite? I kind of do, actually. Which one is it? I like the peanut one. The peanut one. <laughs> you know... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tobias says that the world lives on macaroni and cheese, right? Yeah. Actually, I think the world runs on peanuts, right? I think so. So it is kind of a scary one, isn't it? It kind of is. You have amazing sound effects. Yeah, with well. With your voice. Um, <laughs> like, wow. 
You, you heard the little story we told tonight, uh-huh. kind of concatenated one. Um, some of the others aren't quite that tame, are they? Mm-mm. And I have to confess that I was monitoring the email coming in as well. Uh-huh. And uh, a lot of the kids want you to please tell me. So do we have mm-hmm. some comments that we would like to hear about these? Okay. Let's bring Naomi on up here to share with us some of the things that uh, they've written in to inspire us. So Naomi, uh, you can take the podium here and share. Yeah, so you have a lot of students who really like the story. Shane says he always loves hearing your stories. Benjamin and Tyler said they like the story, especially the part about the cookies. (laughs) Moira says she's 15, but she's not too old and she'll never be too old for your stories. (laughs) Luke says release the tubblers. (laughs) Eli says that Tilbert should start a fundraiser to get his money back. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And then we already have kids asking for you to print them in a book. And um, Grayson thinks Tilbert is a very good bear. And they're just, they're still pouring in. Okay, Thank you so much, Naomi. Appreciate it. Okay. I'd like to uh, point out that we've used Tobler in some of our reading lessons. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of that, we've also made some Acellus Tobler posters. So we've got a poster that we can put up here to show you. Uh, here we go. This is Acellus Tobler That's doing fine. some chemistry. I think there are four Tobler store, uh, posters in the Acellus store. And uh, oh, here's another one. And you can see Beak there and Smelly Lips. Do we have any others? Up oh, here he is, Underwater Adventure. And these tie into some of these really wild stories. And there they are doing a little gardening. So I have a special request to make tonight. Could we put that uh, secret word, so you put science in as a discount code on the Acela store and you get them for a dollar? Just for a while, in case anybody wants one of those. But if you like the Acellus uh, Tobler posters, there they are, and uh, enjoy. Uh, I like having these posters because they create an uplifting image, and especially if uh, you're kind of into some of the moral lessons that Tobler's learning, mm-hmm. uh, then I think it's really a good thing. And you know, the, the big reason I wanted to bring this up tonight, especially since most of the people who are... Uh, involved in these lectures are a little bit older, is I wanted you to see how you can take something like that and start it and keep it up and get better at it. And eventually, you're going to have something that can impact a lot of people's lives. Now, I've had a little bit of feedback from some of the parents saying that these science discussions are a little bit advanced for some of our younger students especially our elementary age students. And by the way, we love having you guys here, but um, uh, to you parents that have been a little concerned about that, I'm arranging so the young kids are not expected to watch the science lectures. I'm I'm gonna focus uh, mainly on middle school and high school. So from now on, if you got elementary kids that are in Cellus Academy and you're part of the mentoring program, you're welcome to join us whenever you can. We'd love to have you. But my thinking is, what I'll do is make these uh, Tobler stories available for the younger kids. And uh, they'd be an optional thing. They're not required. But if you wanted to let the kids do those, that would be kind of my touch in trying to inspire them to be their best. Okay? So we'll, we'll get those out. I'm thinking I may release... Right, there's a hundred and how many are there actually, Tanya? Do you know? Over a hundred for sure. <laughs> um, but we'll try a few and see how this goes. Um, maybe you'll tell more. Maybe we'll tell more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe she will tell stories. Ah. You know, um, <laughs> one of the Tobler stories that's never been told because I've never been able to muster up the courage <laughs> is the... Tobler encounter with aliens. <laughs> now I that's, think that one, to that's one that maybe we will do. And you know, if we're going to get serious about these, because these stories are told like 
in my garage, <laughs> uh, in front of the fireplace, at the campfire, huh. out. I mean, these they've been told in strange places. And one thing that you will hear from them is the reaction of the grandkids. <laughs> and, Noises, huh? Um, I, I really was a little careful tonight, but you'll probably be able to tell <gasps> when they reach that, oh my goodness moment. Did he <laughs> say that? Yeah. And so maybe we'll rate them PG-80 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that one. Yeah, at least I've never been heard of. But uh, I, I want to thank you, I think, for encouraging us in this direction. But it, it is really, really fascinating to me that these kids will listen to these as mm -hmm. often as they do. And, and honestly, the only requirement I've made is if they don't listen to them, they don't get breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, really? There's no strings attached. <laughs> I, but uh, they have listened to them. And uh, uh, some of them, as they've got older, have told me that it gave them a sense of security. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the insecurities in our world today, I thought maybe it would be worthwhile to do anything we can for our young people that have their school schedules and everything all messed up. So they do have kind of a moral message, but they also have some happy endings. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps people realize that we can get through things in life. We can get through this attack of this coronavirus and we can get through a lot of other things that will come along. Uh, life is, it seems, intended to have obstacles and difficulties. Certainly technical projects do. And so that is something that uh, uh, we ought to think about. But you know, Tobler uh, was intended to help kids break some bad habits. And, uh, and we just kept doing it and doing it and doing it because it worked. And we could see a difference after we would take on some of these things. And so uh, over time, uh, it's developed more and more. We actually ended up with a stuffed Tobler bear and a beak. <laughs> and, and through the stories, I guess we got up to about 23 characters. And we got them all stuffed, and so we would actually have the small grandchildren take care of one of the animals until the next story. And then they'd all have to bring them back, and then we'd hand them out again. And we, we did that a lot of times, didn't we? But it's been a fun thing for our family. In your own lives, you get to make the traditions of your family. And you know, families that have traditions stay closer together. I had a friend come yesterday, a new friend. I just met him for the first time, but he's been very, very successful in his career. And he came to visit me about a project. And uh, we were talking about families, and uh, we were talking about my, my family, my children, my grandchildren. And, and I was telling him that just about all of my family works with me. And he said that was his biggest dream, but none of them do. They all got away. And a lot of families think it's better if you don't work with families because you don't get along. And I just think that's wrong. Um, we have achieved a situation in our family where we have very, very little contention. We learn to get along. And that was one of the major missions of Tobler. Uh, Tobler has some specific goals that he likes to share, like respecting parents, uh, loving, loving our nation. Uh, he's a he's a very American bear with a bear bottom, <laughs> and uh, and then honor, integrity, caring about others, and so that's a little tradition that we've put in our family. And 20 years from now, you're going to be able to look back and see what you did in your family for the last 20 years. And if you don't really take time to figure out what you want to accomplish and start doing it, then you won't do it. So uh, 
I don't know if, should we put out the raw stories or should we do like a, an edit? Um, could we put someone else's name on it? <laughs> I think they'll know it's you. Well, anyway, I hope, uh, I hope you enjoy it and I, I hope that it does inspire the best to come out of us. There's a lot of good in everyone and we need to do everything we can to help the good come out of each other. It was sure nice you made it tonight. Thank uh, you. Actually, she's been here all the time. So, all of you who are angry at her for being tardy. <laughs> I wondered where I was. Like, I'm right here. You, you wonder where it was? It's right here. <laughs> so, we'll give her the last word. Well, could we get a close up on her for this last word? I, oh, guess, I guess they can't really be mad at you for the, putting out the Trobler stories if I did encourage it, which I did because I think sometimes it's really good to be able to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes like Tobler and not feel attacked at the situation that's going on because it's happening to them, but we can always gain the insight of what it looks like to everyone. I think that's very powerful. Thank you for the last word and good night. Stay. <laughs> Stay happy, healthy, and good. Good night. Thank you. Well, thank you all for joining us tonight. We'll see you next week. Have a great night.